2: thought I was running late. Run!
1: Too many cooks, too many cooks. i all the dramatic things mean. I've ever seen! Takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. dashes love to make it nice. Too many cooks, too
2: many cooks, too many cooks,
1: too
2: many many cooks, too many But, in fact, I was not. The computer was moving faster than ever before. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Careless Whispers. Happy Thanksgiving. A few days ago. Calvin, hello, sir.
0: Hello, yep. In fact, I was late because I forgot the telephone number and I had to go look it up. But uh,
1: Ah. here I am.
0: Uh Uh-huh. I'm back.
2: You're here. Anyway, how was your holiday, sir? Uh,
0: My holiday was terrible because I had some sort of uh, stomach virus and did not enjoy my Thanksgiving dinner at all.
1: How was yours?
2: Mine was very good. Mine was pretty pretty, uh, standard. Went over to my parents' house, took a day trip to Vermont the next day, had a uh, nice weekend otherwise, had our annual... Scorpion bowls at a Chinese restaurant on Thanksgiving
0: night. So that was wonderful. What does one do in Vermont? What's what's the thing to do when you arrive
2: in the state of Vermont? Uh, Well, we – my girlfriend has family in Vermont. So we sat in her grandmother's uh, house and just talked to them and had some pizza. And we had some chocolate cream pie. And then we played catchphrase.
0: Oh, I like catchphrase.
2: It's a good one. But the thing about the thing about playing catchphrase, they've got two different catchphrases and one of them is the old version of catchphrase. And the new version we never play. They don't they don't they don't want to play the new version. They want to stick to the one which is perfectly fine because uh I'm actually pretty good at it if I do say so myself.
0: Yeah, you probably not as good as me though, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Wait, before we move on, yams or stuffing? You got to uh,
2: Stuffing. I I don't know if I've ever had yams in my life, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I don't like yams at all. So it was a trick question. The answer, the correct answer, is indeed stuffing.
2: All right, uh, we we're gonna have to play catchphrase on this show at one point, I think.
0: Do you have a catchphrase? I would, can can we do this over the
1: air? Is that doable? I don't know.
2: Well, I mean, we would have to come up with. Uh, our own list of things, I suppose, and I, I don't know how that would work. I would, I would love to, to be, be able to figure it out, too. though.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe we can add a new, look, you know, I like games, so if we want to add a new game to the show, we, we can could, we could figure that out down the road. In the meantime, right, we have uh, some sports things to discuss, as we do sometimes. Mm. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know, if you want to start off with some how are you feeling right now? How are you feeling about sports right now?
2: So I feel I pretty good. We're, we're, I mean, I'm, I've been kind of kind of tuned out of the uh, of uh, the NFL this entire weekend, to be honest with you. I barely saw any of the Patriots game. Um, I just, you know, I haven't really been paying much attention this weekend for whatever reason, even though there are three games in primetime on Thanksgiving. I didn't really watch any of them either. Uh, but I do know that uh, we don't start with the NFL around here very often, so – We're not going to do that tonight either. We start with the Boston Celtics, of course. Uh, Last night's game, Calvin, against the Detroit Pistons, not not a good showing for the Celtics. And I I think if anybody listened to the post-game show last night, which started late, um, myself and Sam Sheehan were on the air, and basically for the whole show said that we're we're glad that or we're hoping that this splashes a little bit of cold water on the hype train that was starting to follow the Boston Celtics because they have flaws. They're still not a a championship level team in my mind, but the streak was a lot of fun. And I hope people sort of come back down to earth on uh, what, uh, on how much they were building up the Celtics over the past few weeks, because it was getting to a, to a point where, you kind of had to just start rolling your eyes at some of the people that were coming out of the woodwork saying they're going to win the championship, blah, blah, blah. But um, I guess we start there. I don't know if you saw any of that game last night, but Detroit, was they came to play, they came to prove themselves, and the Celtics uh, didn't really punch back.
0: So <clears throat> it's funny because we didn't, unfortunately did not do a show last week because I was, uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Celtics sort of in the height of, of this Celtics mania, and sort of where you where you, you thought about that, but now where now the conversation is like coming in off a loss uh, against Detroit. And granted, they they just lost uh, not the game before, but the game before that, right? They lost, they lost two out of three. That's, mm-hmm. that's correct, right? To the Miami mm-hmm. the Miami. Chiefs. Am I right?
2: That's correct.
0: So, so do you do you feel like like this team? Not that it's in trouble, but do you feel like they're they're slacking off a little bit? Or do you feel like do you feel like they no. are a team that wins sixteen in a row? Do you do you feel like when they were on that streak, let me start there? When they were on that streak, Ray, did you feel like this Celtics team like could actually be the best team in the NBA? Or like no. right right there. So you, you no, never you I, always I, I thought
2: like, I saw even after beating Golden State and being in the building for it and seeing them on this incredible run. I I didn't think that they were going to be the best team in the NBA when it was all said and done. No, I think that they're too raw. They're too young and that they're the two young guys, Tatum and Brown are too inconsistent and they need to build that consistency. And um, I think that, that uh, what you saw against Detroit really exploited them on uh, against when they're playing against players who can really run that pick and roll well and dominate at the rim. And even though I'm, trying, I'm going to go look up uh, Hassan Whiteside's numbers in that game against the Celtics, um, I don't think they were as gaudy as Drummond's last night. I think that's part of the reason the Heat won that game as well because uh, the Celtics don't really have a counter for a large athletic center that can dominate on both ends of the court. And Drummond, was he showed up. He came to play in that game. Uh, and he was, he in my mind, he was the reason that the Celtics lost. Um, why don't they show box scores on this? i got to go to their website. Uh, anyway, I, I the point you. is that I don't think – I think the Celtics have shown that they have a weakness there, defending a big athletic center. And if they were to meet Detroit in a playoff series, I think that thing goes seven games, and I would be nervous that the Celtics lose that game seven.
0: Hassan White said eight points, ten rebounds, two blocks. Okay. So nah. – yeah,
2: not like Drummond, but but still yeah. significant. I would say he he definitely contributed in that win. Oh
0: yeah, no contributed. Yeah, but it wasn't like oh it wasn't like we lost because we couldn't stop this dominant center. That game was uh, Deion Waiters going off in the fourth so, quarter. If I remember.
2: right, well either way, I, I just I think that that was that's the the big comparison between the two teams even though white side didn't have that great of a game and that's not the big way from from for me from last night either anyway it's it, I fear I players like that but the, the, the bottom line is there aren't that many players that they would have to go up against like that uh, to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Drummond might be one of the only ones that actually makes their way into a playoff series with the Celtics this year who knows we'll see how it all shakes out but the, the more the more pressing issue to me, Calvin, uh, is that they don't have a consistent number two scorer. And if Kyrie Irving is not having a Kyrie Irving all-world type of night, just in a similar fashion to Isaiah Thomas last year, they struggle to put points on the board, and uh, they often get lost on offense. And that is is the thing that scares me more than not being able to match up against a guy like Drummond.
0: It is interesting how far ahead they are defensively than offensively right now. Oh, we, miles, miles ahead. Yeah, especially because we did when you think back to last year, they were a good offensive team that had like some, def- a couple of defensive issues, especially early, early on. this time, uh, at that point last year, and they sort of got their act together to some degree defensively, but they were not they were not a, a great defensive team last year. And this year, they feel like a great defensive team, but not a great offensive team. So who, then, who, who is your number two option? It, it is interesting, and I, I, I guess at, at some point I, I want to get back into this uh debate that we we didn't have on this show but we had on a post game show. By the way, I I think I need to get in touch with Bobby Manning because uh maybe he just doesn't like me but yeah I've not been on a post game show in like a month. So I, I don't I haven't even had the chance to Did you uh, have a Did you tell him,
2: him when you were available in November?
0: I did. I told him I was pretty much good, even though that that's changed somewhat because I've got a new job, but yeah, he hasn't scheduled me at all. Anyway. Uh hmm. it's like last season I feel like I was doing all kinds of games. But he wasn't doing it until like the, the finals, and now now that he's doing it, I don't know. He seems to have erased me from the schedule. In any case, um, yeah. So we had that debate about about Jalen Brown versus Jason Tatum, and I was like on team Brown, and you and Jelsa, who was also along with it, were so adamant about Tatum.
2: Yeah.
0: So so it's interesting to me now for you to like feel like there's no no like no second score because if. In my mind if there's one thing that Tatum like is is best at is is when you you know need that shot you can just hand well, him the I ball. I mean and...
2: if if you're if you're going to talk about going forward over the course of a career which is what that conversation basically was then I'm <laughs> still going with Tatum. But if you're talking about the next 2 to 3 months I don't I think Al Horford is the most consistent number 2 option and they don't like making him the number 2 option. They're trying to build confidence in their young wing players they want one of those guys to step up and be the number two i mean there's got to be a point that you stop mentioning gordon hayward's name because i mean that that you still have to work with what you have right so i just i people are saying oh just write this season off write this season off next year's the championship season yeah i kind of feel that way too but i still want them to Overachieve as they have in the past couple of years. I still want them to to get to the Eastern Conference Finals as a definite, and and then if they get to the NBA Finals, that to me is the overachievement. Uh, and it's just even in this win streak, I, I feel I, I that I don't think that there is a consistent second option to score offensively. Tatum is going to be that guy, but. I, I don't. I don't necessarily think I would trust him right now. I would rather post up Al Horford and let him do do some work down down there. But I mean, depending on who he's going up against with the matchup.
0: So that's interesting to me that, you know, that even even after I mean maybe this was what you're saying happened like right when Gordon Hayward got hurt. But it's it it would be hard for me to ever imagine again in the wake of a 16 game winning streak. Okay. It, it, in, in which you beat the Warriors, granted at home, but you beat the Warriors. Uh, you know, you you beat some good teams to then turn around and be like, well, you know, go, uh, we'll we'll just come back and try to win the championship next year when we have Hayward. That's like a that's a funny notion to me, man. I I just I can't rationalize the notion of like of like well. giving up on you. You know I mean?
2: a, they're not giving up for sure. They probably believe that they have, have a chance to get at the players, but I mean, they believed that last year, too. They believed that when they got swept out of the playoffs by Cleveland uh, a couple of years ago. They, I mean, as a fan, though, I'm not putting that expectation on the team. I, I expect them to go to the Eastern Conference finals. That's my expectation. If they go to the NBA finals, then that's, that's exceeding expectations. And if they had Hayward for the full year, I would probably. Be changing my tune a little bit
0: I guess um, This is really, really the question Forget like how you Look at this roster as is Do you, Is your expectation That the Celtics should be out there trying To improve themselves again By this trade deadline or or should they Be sitting pat and being like You know we'll see what we come back with next year That's the, that's that's the, the real issue to me
2: That's the problem I think If you had Gordon Hayward and if you're Danny Ainge You're looking at it and saying well my plan was to have these young guys and just stand pat in general, all health right. being aside. I would imagine that his plan was to stand pat at the deadline, unless he saw a deal that was just too good to pass up. Right. And he wanted to keep all his young guys. And some of these one-off contracts like Tice and Larkin would be gone next year. And then he would be able to rework things at that point. I'm not sure what he's thinking now. I, I think that he, he still wants Gordon Hayward to be, that piece so i don't think that he goes and and tries to improve the roster this season in trying to fill that void to get to an nba championship because what happens when hayward comes back like who is this player is it just a rental for the year and then you're sacrificing the younger guys or is it a, a player that's going to sign an extension and then may butt heads with gordon hayward i think it's just too big of a risk to take and it, you you look at this year as uh, just focus on building the confidence in the younger players and it, however far you go you go and then next year you start looking at, at high aspirations.
0: Well, I'll, I'll I'll tell you who this guy could be. So might as well move to it right now because it, because the talk is already you know coming out there, right? So it's uh, Marcus All might be available now yeah. for the Grizzlies. Yeah. Oh, you're, that's where you at. at. You that's where you at. But you forget about the Celtics per se. Is 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 your is your Mia reaction to me Mia um, about Marcus Gasol at this point? Because yeah,
2: man, I love like- Marcus. Gasol. I've always loved Marc Gasol. I've wanted him in the, in a Celtics uniform. If you go to my Twitter page, there's a there's I liked a stupid tweet a while ago about him thinking he might want out of uh, Memphis. Like I want him, I wanted him on the Celtics for many years. I know. Um, but. uh Listen, man. I think they have a good thing going right now, and I would really think long and hard about a, whatever that trade may be. And if you're giving up Brown or Tatum, I I think it's too late. I think Marcus Gasol is too far past his prime to pay to give up a young kid like that who has shown so much promise. Both of them. So I'm I'm out on that. Unless you find another deal that works, I'm out on Marcus Gasol, Calvin.
0: Would you, would you move Horford in a Gasol situation out of curiosity?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think that makes much, much sense. I feel like they're very similar players and that um, maybe I'm doing a discredit to Mark Gasol and thinking that he's a little more injury-prone than Horford. you got to watch out for Horford's concussion history, but I feel like Horford is a better version of Gasol. And he has more more time. He has more years left in my opinion too. I, I don't even know what how old they are, but I could be totally off base on this one. That's just how it feels off the top of my head. I'm gonna look it up though.
0: I, I think Horford is a year younger than Gasol, if I remember correctly. Uh, but um thirty one. But, but Gasall uh Gasol came to the NBA later than Orford, so I don't know if you want to factor your miles into it. I will say Yeah,
2: you're right. A year, a year younger.
0: Yeah. So I I don't know like I said I don't know how many games they've played throughout their career it's probably pretty close closer like closer than the year or or maybe even Horford's played more I don't know if that factors into like how you think about the players that I just, I just remembered that I wanted to talk about that Manute um, bowl story we're gonna have to hit that briefly do uh, you know about that we're gonna have to hit that briefly no that one is for a treat uh, anyway. <laughs>
2: 662 so, games for Marc Uh and uh, where is he? 666 games for Al Horford.
0: Yeah, see, I knew, I knew it had to be a little closer there. Anyway, so Horford's actually played just a few more. Yep. Um, and that includes, like, this the season and a half that, that he missed. But my, my thing is, is, like, okay, so... This was the, the, the prelude to transitioning into the Lee's firing David Fizdale. And Rory right, look, so David Fizdale benched Marcus Marc uh, Gasol in the game right before he got fired for the fourth quarter. Uh, he came out and he said, "Look, I'm I'm desperate. The the bench players were playing well, so I left them in there. Didn't bring Marcus Gasol back in. But he but here's the thing, right? One, Marcus Gasol not having that good of a year right now." Just like shooting his his lowest shooting percentage, he, his his like defensive effort has has clearly slipped in my mind. I don't think that he's mm-hmm. on a physical side I just think he's he's on a terrible team, and you can see, you know, maybe it's a Gasol brothers thing because the same thing happened to Gasol with the Lakers. He sort of just stopped oh. putting in effort.
2: I mean, he's he's rebounding better than he did last year. He's still scoring at a, at a solid clip, and I mean, the only thing that's down, like you said, is his field goal percentage.
0: But his defense is not what it was. It, okay. it hasn't been this year. Uh, I mean,
2: it, I haven't been really been watching him, but the numbers say otherwise. So, w-
0: which numbers in particular?
2: I mean, like he has county- more blocks than than he had last year. Um, I mean, he's turning. He's now. It seems like he's turning the ball over more. Maybe he's a little bit more lazy. He doesn't have as many assists as he play, did last year. But he's doing better than his career averages in pretty much every category, except for field goal well, percentage.
0: I, I know his his defensive points per shot are way down as well. You know what I mean? I think blocks is is and steals are are sort of misleading in terms of how how well a defender is playing. You mm-hmm. know that too. Mm-hmm. But but. Regardless, I don't. We, we don't need to like get into an advanced stat ad breakdown of Mark Gasol. My point is, just like the, even the perception has been that his effort has been down a little a, a little bit this season, and even even if it hasn't, right? Uh, tensions have apparently been going on uh, behind the scenes for a little while between Gasol and Fisdale and yeah, the Grizzlies lost eight in a row, right? And. But to my mind, I look at the Grizzlies, and I'm like, they started out five and two. I don't like. In what world were the Grizzlies not going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA this season? You know, when we did our season preview, I didn't understand how this team, this this team, like, has been, you know, scraping by on the same garbage roster that seems to get depleted more and more every year. Like, they got rid of Randolph. And Tony Allen, right? Who you know both had big contracts. And what do they? What do they end up in return for that? How does Chris Wallace, like he continues to skate somehow? David Fisdale in his second season, after having like, by the way, a good first season in which, like, in my mm-hmm. mind, the Grizzlies, they outplayed their talent, right? They were a playoff team last year. They had no business shooting it where, where they were. And was hurt part of last year too. Colony's hurt again right now. Like their the team is like, all, I don't know. It, it always seems full of injuries. They always, like, outplay what they should. They made the playoffs last year uh, after Conley got hurt on it. Just, just a giant flotation barge of garbage. To my mind, it's like, Fizdale is one of the better coaches in the NBA, and he's getting fired in his second season because he benched Marc Gasol for one-fourth quarter. Like, is that is that really where we're at with the, with the player control, the level of player control? Does Gasol have a no-trade clause even?
2: I mean, I don't think he does. It's, it's not. So Memphis is, is basically just hitching their wagon to the player, even though they, I would imagine some of the other guys in the locker room are behind Fisdale, right? I mean, unless everybody in that locker room is behind Mark Gasol, there's no reason to fire the coach if the player is the one that's making uh, causing a problem, and he has a no-trade clause. I mean, if half the locker room is not on his side, then... Why would you? Why wouldn't you just ship him off and try and get what you can for him, or talk to him about it and, and try and get those guys on the same page before you just fire him? I know eight losses in a row is not very good in the NBA, and they have not been playing well. But I feel like Fizdale got a raw deal in this one, man. I, I just I don't know what it is about Marcus Gasol that the Grizzlies are seeing here, because if if I had a superstar player quitting on a coach just because the team wasn't playing well. To me, you get rid of the player. You're not getting rid of the coach. I don't care what his talent level is. If your coach shows that he can have players overachieve, which he did last year, then you don't get rid of the coach. You keep that coach. Coaching matters in the NBA. A lot of people don't think it does, but I think Steve, guys like Brad Stevens, Greg Popovich, are proving, Popovich is proving it for years. And, now there's finally a few other coaches that, have, that are doing similar things to Popovich and making their players better because they understand their talents. I think Fizdale is one of those guys. And I, I, I just – I don't understand how management can hitch their wagon to a guy that, in your words, has basically been lazy – or lazy was my word, but um, you, you think you to think the effort's not there and he's giving up on the team. That's not a guy you want in the locker room. I don't care what is – what is – talent level is if Michael Jordan was a quitter trade him like that that's the bottom line Michael Jordan was not a quitter though which is why you you never trade a guy like that but Marcus Gasol man I I used to like this guy quite a bit And but if, the, if this is all true that he's the only reason and he's been making a stink to management or something or they maybe management just didn't agree with his, him being benched uh then I'm I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit.
0: Gasol went out and, and denied getting him fired, and I, I tend to believe him in this situation because I think his his personality doesn't. He doesn't seem like. Even though it, it was definitely true that he was fighting with his and like, it like it, it probably was more likely that their tension led to him being fired. But even, but even that like. All the things you're saying, that it still makes no sense to me because now the reports are everywhere that yeah they are trying to move from Casal anyway. Right?
2: right. So what's so the it, point?
0: It it seems to me that like Fisdeo essentially was used as a scapegoat in this situation because they lost eight in a row and, and uh, Chris Wallace's job is on the line right now Ugh. in the GM 2007. Seriously, what is going Wallace, Wallace out of there. Okay, Chris Wallace made the trade, you know, Pagasol that ended up netting him Marcus He did that like the first month he was there. He drafted Mike Conley. Okay, he, he did both of those in his first season. Name me one impressive thing he's done since. You know what I mean? Like he, he signed this champ he, he signed Chandler Parsons to a $97 million contract two years ago, where Chandler Parsons was clearly un, not healthy enough to play. Oh, man. And he's, he's, yeah, he hasn't played one Calvin, valuable mid for the game. I,
2: I, wish, I wish that I had known that we were going to go in the Chris Wallace direction on this show because I would have done a little bit more research um, than just going to Wikipedia to see what he did in Boston because I know that he was a horrible – Horrible GM for the Boston Celtics. When he left the Celtics for Memphis, I and he replaced Jerry West back in oh that's about ten like what you say ten years ago now? Um, yeah, I thought that that was the, the greatest thing that could have happened to the Boston <laughs> Celtics in the history of of, of anything happening. Uh, and and guess what? The Boston Celtics won the NBA championship the year that Chris Wallace walked away to go – or not not when he walked away from the Celtics, I should say, but when he walked – or when he was hired by uh, Memphis to replace Jerry West. And I mean, to be- Wallace was with the Celtics for, for uh, I think, a good 10 years, hired in 97. He was – so it was a while b- between uh, – or it was like a, just a year between the two. And he made stupid trades like uh, the the – Joe Johnson trade where he got Tony Delk and Rodney Rogers for uh, from the Phoenix Suns. He drafted Paul Pierce so give him credit for that. But he also traded for Vin Baker and then signed him another time after that. So this guy to me was a, was a horrible GM for the Celtics and I don't want to give him credit for drafting Paul Pierce because it was an obvious choice, right, at the time, and in hindsight. And when he joined Memphis, uh, the the Celtics won the championship that year. So I just thought that was a little bit of karma looking back on it. And uh, I am shocked that 10 years later, he still has a job.
0: Yeah, by the way, I don't give any GM credit for hitting on any top five pick. Paul Pierce was number 10. Fell. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. But so wasn't Pierce number ten because of like, wasn't he, he had like some off the court issues in college. Like he, I, I remember him in college being considered like a higher prospect, and he I think he ended up falling to ten for some reason. I can't remember right. what. He did.
2: He did <laughs> fall. I don't. I don't really rem- remember why, but um, he yeah. did fall. Uh, so that's what, I'm, what I meant when I said it was it was an obvious choice back then. Paul Pierce at number ten, like what what else are you going to get? You have to try and they and it worked out. But that he's not he's not the GM that Paul Pierce even thrives under, obviously. Danny Ainge was that GM. So I just I feel like Chris Wallace in Boston. Was was a bad bad situation, and it was sort of on the heels of uh, the whole Patino thing, and it was just a bad time for the organization, and that's why I'm just so surprised that he still has a job with Memphis.
0: Yeah, I am surprised. I I don't think he should have the job for long. I just I really just feel bad for Fisdale because I think he's a good coach. I think he'll hopefully he'll get you know picked up by another team and be fine. He I, I you know. I have, I'm also partial to him Just because I like the Take that for data thing But really I just I do think that he's a good coach And he manages to scheme With like a, Teams that are legitimately Not talented Okay right Real quick This, this Manute Paul story So mm. uh, Manute Paul You know Played in the NPA In the, what the 80s uh, The 80s and 90s You, you know about Manute Paul right Everyone knows about yes, Manute Paul so, Yeah So uh this guy who like was instrumental in bringing him over from Africa uh former Cleveland State coach Kevin Mackey uh said that he, you know uh that he brought uh, Manupo over from Sudan to the United States and completely made up his birthday uh to be October 16th 1962 but Mackey says that he had no idea how old he was and was in his forties and possibly even his fifties when he played in the NBA. And in college, he, in college,
2: true,
0: he in his, Yeah, in his college, he was in his thirties, his late thirties. In the NBA, huh. he was in his forties and even fifty.
2: I mean, I, I guess it would. I guess it would explain why he he passed away as, as quote unquote soon as he did at, at, at such a young age, but. Man, where can we find some proof on that?
0: That's this. This is the problem. We can't. I just. I. But here, here's the thing. Here's what you can do. If if you you know this goes out to anyone who's listening to this. Uh, if you want to like Google image search old pictures of Manupol in the NPA and sort of even even try to even find like Manupol in college Google image search. And you know, it, granted, this is not. Uh, this is not 100% verification technology, because you could also do the same thing with Greg Oden. But just looking at his face, it's like I kind of like, tend to believe the story. You know what I mean? He just looks old.
2: Sure. Yeah, I don't really remember seeing him on TV and wondering how how old he was. But, I mean, wow. In, in hindsight, I guess it kind of makes sense. Hey, do you want to uh, you want to take a chance on a caller here? I can't even believe we have a caller. I put the, I didn't even put the number out there. They must have seen my tweet.
0: Take take that caller.
2: Take that caller. we
0: we're, we're just we just like to
2: play roulette around here. Uh, it is a Maryland area, area code, so I feel like we may have spoken to this person before. 240, welcome to Careless Whispers on CLNS Media. You're probably the first caller we've had in weeks, maybe not months. What's going on?
1: Oh my goodness, guys. He's alive. He is not dead. Matt Rory, who do you think you're talking to me right now? Come on. Trivia. You got to have a trivia here. You haven't talked to this guy a long time. I think it's Langford. I'm hearing Langford. It.
2: it sounds like Brian Langford, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's Langford. <laughs> oh my on, goodness.
2: Guys? I'm glad we took this call, Calvin. I can't believe it. Brian ain't lying. What's going on, dude?
1: Hey, what's up, Calvin? Calvin was on the voice. Calvin said, I recognize the voice. I recognize him. Yeah, and, we did a few man. shows but right? Doing, doing, doing good, gentlemen. You know, I was on Twitter. I've been ranting all day about uh, the about, uh, time of Fizzdale. And, and this is not. Uh, you, you don't get organizations like this. And y'all, y'all talk about Chris Wallace first. He got lucky to run into grit and Grind. Once gritting ground was over with, it looked like Mixon started to get exposed. And I don't care what Mark Gasol was going to say for the next two weeks, he went in that office and said, it's either me or him. Hmm. And Mixon said, hey, we're not going to lose you. I guess we're going to have to make a move on him. But here's the thing, and I'm ready to it perfectly. I liked Mark Gasol maybe even a year ago, maybe two years ago at the most. Definitely, I loved him two years ago. He's not a leader, okay? Every time Mike Conley goes down, it just seems like Memphis falls apart. So, if you're going to give Finsdale a year and a half to work with what he's got in Memphis right now, then that's crazy. And I honestly think that people should not even take the job. Don't even entertain it. Because when a Celtics fan agrees with LeBron, that's kind of crazy. But LeBron said it perfectly. I guess he wasn't going to kiss nobody's ass up there. And that's what he wasn't going to do. So, 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 guess what? I'll watch Memphis the rest of the year. I think JB Bicker's fan, who is pretty much almost disrespecting him, a his Pet. That's what he is. That's what he's going to do. And, and Memphis will crumble, and they will be forced to trade Mark Gasol. But the question is, where is his value worth? is he even the same guy he was two years ago? I don't want to hear nobody call me because I know Seth saying, bug my message. Where am going take Mark Gasol in a heartbeat. No, I don't want that. If you are yep. going to sit out here and play this situation, I don't want them on the team, guys. I don't understand what Memphis is doing. And this is why when people say, why aren't players loyal? Why aren't coaches loyal? Why do people move around the league? These are the reasons why. When you watch a coach get fired in a year, a year and a half, a year and a half. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm telling opposite. you, Brian. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Go ahead, I don't understand why anyone is
0: loyal. Like Especially, like, knowing that everyone in the league is a mercenary and someone will turn on you in a second. Like, I feel bad for people who are loyal because, like, you're putting your neck out there for the team to turn on you, for, yeah, the fans to turn on you, for the the second, like, the second that you're not producing on the level that they want or that, you know, they just decide that, like, we're going in a we're, the offense is moving in a different direction or, or whatever. They draft a guy. Like, I would never be loyal if I was a player. So... Uh, yeah, and it's, yeah. As far as uh, Marcus all goes, it, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. If it, the him or me part is, is even okay, I, I I understand that. Even though I I would disagree with their choice, but then now all the reports are they're trying to move Marcus all anyway. So like, what was what? How, so it was him or me. So now it's both of you. You know what I mean? Like even that
1: doesn't make sense to me. You, and, and then, um, you, my my point. I know my point's gonna kill me because there was something else when, when you guys were talking about Marcus all and the Grizzly, but it's it's. It's just sad to see these type of things happen, especially to a good coach like that. And I'm scared he's going to get the Mark Jackson treatment. You know, Mark Jackson hasn't had another job since Golden State. And no. people are saying that, well, he's going to get Brutal. interviewed. Mark Jackson is just a a And I'm scared that it's going to possibly uh, happen to Fisdale. But I, I don't want our team nowhere to be associated with Mark. You know, I, I just – you don't need players on your team that is going to go to upper management or whatever they do and say, look, you know, this this guy just got to go. This just ain't working. Listen, man, Fizz, you know, I hated Miami when he was in Miami, but there was something that he did to get through with some of those guys in Miami. It wasn't all spokesman. If you watch Fizz on, on the bench half the time, he was the one engaging more with the players and getting through to them. But I, I wish him nothing but the best. I hope Memphis finds a way to. Climb out of the gutter because Hubie Brown or Mark Pasello—they—they they ain't coming back to that door, so they just get ready to, to go through years of uh, of misery, I should say.
0: I, I think they saw the um, the Mark Jackson situation was a little different though because he was engaging in open warfare with his assistant coaches and like it created an a- atmosphere of distrust of, among them and like you know. Not, yeah. Like underhanded comments to the media. I, I think that Mark Jackson hasn't gotten a job since then because of, of the perception that he's sort of uh, he's a deceptive person when it comes to like how he treats uh, you know his coaching staff and his players.
2: Whatever. Yeah, but, I don't know.
0: I, I, I feel yeah. like Fitzdale
2: seems to have a pretty good reputation following him right now. He's got a lot of people stepping up to back him up. So uh, I, I would I would be very surprised if he did not find a job after the next year or two, depending on where the openings end up. Uh, Coming at the end of the season, I'm sure there will be a firing or two. There usually is. Um, Brian, man, great, great, great to hear from you, dude. I'm glad you caught the uh, my tweet there, and uh, you caught us at the right man. time because I was fired up about that Fizdale stuff too, man. I, I used to, I used to think Marcus Gasol would, would be a, a key component to a Celtics team, and I just, regardless of the fit of Fizdale's firing, that just piles on top of what i what we've talked about tonight. But if he's quitting on Memphis and his teammates in general just because they're not winning games, then that, that's a problem. And, and if, if he has a problem with the coach, I don't care how good your talent is. Unless the coach is a complete moron and everybody else on that team agrees with you, then it, there's no excuse for, for quitting when you're out on the court.
1: Yeah. I mean, you drop you drop eight games in a row. I mean – I mean, get your sorry butt on the block and find a way to win a game. You're eight games in a row, you'll get down. Um and I even think Dave Yeager. Dave Yeager was a hell of a coach for Memphis. I mean something happened there where somebody made some disagreements and Dave Yeager out the door. Good coach. I don't think he I think Sacramento's gonna be a building project and um yep. and I think and you know, again I hate to always say this, the Bronx to the public. Philadelphia has worked with Brett Brown. How many times guys, how many times have people said Man, just fire Brett Brown. I mean, here yeah, LeBron doesn't, so he just kind of contradicted himself. Everybody wants instant success overnight. LeBron wants the same thing, so I don't know why he can say that. But but you have to work with things. When you knew Mike Conley going down again was going to hurt. And then one more thing before I forget. I, I want to hear you guys talk about it. You guys probably did. Steven Jackson had no right to take a shot at Chandler Parsons. That was not Chandler Parsons begging Memphis to sign him to that $100 million contract. That was Memphis, thinking that Parsons was still the same guy he was that go around in Houston, and he wasn't. So uh, Steven Jackson definitely in the wrong. Don't be upset. The boy got his money. If you had done the same thing to you, you wouldn't have denied a hundred million dollars. So I don't want to hear Steven Jackson on his Instagram went no more. <laughs> but good talking to you guys as always, man. I'll be definitely be sure to tune in. You know, if it's every week from now on, you guys got me every week out. I'll, I'll make my little. All right, Prime.
2: Hey, man, we, tr- yeah. we try and do it every week. Sometimes it's a different day. Sometimes it's thrown out, and it's not happening that week. But I try to put it up on my Twitter. So keep an eye on that, and uh, definitely keep listening, man. We appreciate it.
1: Sadly.
2: All right, there he goes. Brian A. Lion, Calvin. We haven't heard from him in a while. A longtime CNS media fan, follower, listener, contributor. He was on the post-game shows for us for a long time. I always loved his uh, – his his perspective on things. I think he's living he down in the D.C. area, and he's always been a big Celtics fan. So, love hearing from him.
0: Yeah, I just love his enthusiasm. He was always a guy with a lot of energy. And on nights where I, where I might have not have had it, Brian was always excited and ready to do the show. So, I, <laughs> I was gonna ask, well, you know, what happened to what whatever happened to him? I remember he was doing that uh, podcast with Becky for a while, but I guess that that didn't happen, not happen anymore either, right? Yeah, hey, I. I, I
2: I think uh, I think he's doing his own thing down there right now. But uh, either way, I mean, um, maybe, maybe he'll call in in a week or two, or and we'll uh, hear from him, ask him some more questions or something. Because yeah, he was one of the he was one of the better hosts for sure on uh, on the post game show. And I even think I can't remember. There's probably a time where we were on a streak of some sorts. He and I when the Celtics were playing poorly. They would find a way to win on the, the games that, that he was doing with, uh, with me on the post-game show. So that was a lot of fun. Anyway, um, what do you say we do uh, 15 minutes of NFL talk? How do you, how do you feel about that? Uh, that
0: was my exact thought. Uh, let's start with this Eli thing since I'm a Giants fan. and Yeah, I feel let's so do it. Let's start with it.
2: Did you see him? He was choked up today, Calvin. He, I mean, it's, I don't blame him. He, he, may have, he may have just lost his job.
0: Uh, was he choked up? Well, I, oh I man, I, I
2: should I should find this clip that I saw earlier and email it to you so you can check it out. But yeah, he was um, he was choking up a little bit when they were talking to him about it.
0: Interesting, interesting, uh, because well, because the things that I read about it was one. Okay, for, for those who don't know, uh, Eli Manning is not going to start this weekend uh, in even game against the Raiders. The the Giants are going to start Geno Smith, which I have thought on, which I'll get to in a second. But uh, Giants are starting Geno Smith, and the, from from their perspective, like the, this season is basically a lost cause. And uh, McAdoo and Jerry Reese came out and said, you know, we're trying to look at some guys. Uh, there's no point in continuing to put. Eli out there because we want to, you know, we want to just give these guys a chance and, and figure out what we have in them. And uh, the Giants also said that they offered Eli uh, the opportunity to continue his start streak. For those who don't know, Eli's got the, the longest current starting uh, streak in the NFL for a quarterback uh, and second longest of all time. He passed Faden Manning this season. So, Second longest of all all time, behind only Brett Favre, and so now it's going to come to an end this weekend. And he, the Giants offered uh, Eli to continue starting. Um, you know, and then they would take him out after you know a series or two, and then you know play the other guys after that. But Eli said no. He, he didn't want to taint the notion of the streak and have it you know turn out just just compile stats uh, unfairly. And He said no. If you want to play them, just play them. Which, like, I oh, actually appreciate. That's because,
2: Good, No, good for him for saying that, first of all. Yeah. I, I'm with him on that one. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and it's like, it, I also enjoy it because it's like, it's like the, the, the most Eli possible response is to, like, be like the streak. That, he also said that the streaks like, is not that big of a deal. It's like, all, all of that to me, and, like, well, sometimes when the guy says that, like, I don't believe it, but, like, just Eli's personality is so, like, nonchalant about things anyway that I I don't know there's a sort of um, there's a beauty to me to the notion of like Eli sort of even though he's not actually making the choice he kind of is making the choice to end this starting streak on Eli terms which is nonchalantly and acceptingly you know so I I kind of appreciate that he he gave him that opportunity so then Eli could sort of decide nah I'm good you know
2: Oh, I like it. Yeah, I, I think that I think that that he's taking the right approach. I think that it, it would almost be embarrassing to to go get trotted out there for a series or two, and then regardless of what happens, uh, the backup comes in every game. It's, it's a, he he realizes he's being very self aware, and he realizes that it would paint the streak. People would criticize him for for or not criticize him, but but criticize the, the record it, it, you know, uh, just because he didn't finish games and th- that would be out there, you know? And I, I don't blame him. Like if you want to take my job, then fine, do it. Just don't, don't make me start the day and then let somebody else finish the work. Like that, it's, it just seems like a waste of time. I, I feel like he, he, at this point, if he's going to be shifting into a backup role or, a non-starter role, if you will, then his time will be better spent trying to analyze the, the pictures and the film that comes out of the games and what comes back to the sideline and trying to help those young quarterbacks. And And if he can accept that, then he'll, he might be pretty good at it. Who knows? Then he gets himself into a coaching job in the future or what have you. And I know that's a little ways down the line. He's probably not thinking about that immediately, but I think he's he's started with the right approach
0: yeah by the way, all all of this doesn't rule out uh, the notion that like Eli might be starting week one of, of the start of next season. like sure the logic behind the logic behind like, yeah we need to see some young guys in a team that's it's two and nine and by the way, it's in the giant's best interest if they don't win games at this point so let's even if you think Eli is, is, by the way, and Eli to my mind has not had that bad of a season. When you look at the fact that uh, the top, our top four wide receivers, the Giants' top four wide receivers are all hurt. So like three of their offensive linemen are hurt. Uh, he's got 14 touchdowns and seven interceptions. But 14 touchdowns, not great, but but again, considering like what it could be uh, with with the situation, like I don't think he's played poorly at all this year. I'm just gonna throw that out there, and like. I just I don't think he's in a position where like he has much of a chance to do anything. Like the the defense gets through the line so fast, he, you can accuse him of being overly cautious, and I think that's a that's a fair criticism. But he has not been that terrible. But with all that being said, Murray, I don't have a problem with him taking him out. I but like, he, he he passed Peyton already. He was never going to catch FARB. I looked it up today because I was curious. You need 80, hmm. 87 more consecutive starts to catch Fred FARB.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, means, there's no way. It's yeah. impossible. Totally impossible. Yeah. What? What is that? <laughs> uh, it's like six five years. more years?
0: Yeah, six it's years? Like almost six. Yeah, it's six years. So, like, see, you have any 36. Do I think it's not impossible, but first, first of all, let's let, let just let that sink in for a moment as a as a testament to like Brett Favre's greatness and durability. The fact that Eli is the number two quarterback of all time in terms of consecutive starts, and he's still six years behind Brett Favre, is ridiculous, right? Yeah.
2: It's almost like nobody's ever, nobody's ever going to, to, to do that because even yeah. though a guy like Tom Brady is playing into his, his year 40 and probably 41, and we'll see about 42, yeah. uh, he did not have the consecutive starts that these guys had because he had that major knee injury. So right. it's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible that Eli could even get that close. And not only that, but Brett Favre did it for multiple teams. He, he he kind of got lucky in the fact that one team was finished with him and other teams decided that they were going to give him a chance. Eli Manning doesn't have that luxury because this is happening to him in the middle of a season. So his team is not going to trade him away to give him another start next week and keep the streak going. And they're also not going to start him because they've given him this option and he decided not to, not to do it. So – He's not in the same position as Brett Favre was. He could even he, maybe he will play for another six years, but he's not in the in the spot that Favre was uh, with that luxury to move from team to team and still be the starter.
0: All, all, all that being said, again, like like I said a minute ago, I'm fine with the decision. But where but where it infuriates me is they're not starting Eli Manning, so they can start Chino Smith. Hmm. Chino Smith.
2: Yeah, he's the guy that you need to get more looks at. I I mean who's yeah. your who's your third stringer, Calvin? I don't even know, but tell me.
0: Well our third stringer is a rookie, Davis Webb sure. who, okay. who should be That's more if, reasonable. If, 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 yeah, if the Giants if the Giants said we're not starting Eli this week, so we can take a look at third stringer Davis Webb. I would be one. I'd be 100% in, in favor of that. But to, the fact that we have a rookie on our team who we're not starting because we need to take a look at Gino Smith, who's a free agent at the end of the season, by the way, and is incredibly unlikely to end up back in the Giants anyway, I find to be like another in a long line of baffling Ben McAdoo decisions that, that's almost certain to cause his job at the end of the season. I think all, all of this is like... So this
2: confuses me, though, because isn't this more an ownership and management uh, question at this point? Because, or, or are they just resigned to giving him a full season to see what happens and if he can turn it around? And does this play in at all because the Giants historically have had uh, stretches where they've been mediocre and, and they've gone on runs and they've gone to the Super Bowl and won or they've made the playoffs out of nowhere? And does management just think that, that they can just do that again? Or are they really – Believing that this guy can turn things around because it seems to me that he's made plenty of decisions that warrant his firing and benching Eli Manning seems like a last straw type of situation where, where he is just grasping for absolutely anything to keep his job. I just don't see it happening. Why is he still there?
0: No, I'm I'm well, uh the, the he's still there essentially because of the the, you know, quote classiness of of the Giants organization. I don't know if you want to see this actual classiness or not, but they they came out a couple of weeks ago and said, uh, you know, we don't fire coaches during the middle of the season. We we're gonna give him the opportunity to uh to, to play out this season. He's already, you know, gotten in fights with all his players, especially not all of his players, but a good number of his players, especially on the defensive side. And uh, yeah, so in, John John Mara came out and said no because you know all the speculation was like yeah we, with him getting into these fights he suspended two starting cornerbacks for like reasons that nobody has still been able to figure out. There was a, a there have been play like games where the, the defense like literally you could see the Giants Rams game where like. Defensive backs were just allowing guys to make catches and like half-heartedly jogging behind them as they ran in for touchdowns. Like hmm. I, the fact that he already hasn't been fired was shocking to me, but I, I I understand what they're doing. But at the same time, I'm like I have to sit it's just bad policy. This. Yeah, but
2: if you if you determine that somebody is incapable of doing what they've been asked to do, then it doesn't matter how how long their contract is or or, or just. Trying to be respectful to the to the full year or something? No, you fire that person.
0: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I'm gonna move on here because I, I want to get to this Greg Shiano thing real quick. We can talk about fighting next week yeah, if it, do it if it's still out. But um, so Tennessee uh, signed what I I forgot what the name of it is, but it was, basically it was like uh, you know an intent to coach contract where you sign a, you sign a contract with a guy saying that he's going to be announced as your coach. Uh, numbers are are written out, but he's not actually announced yet so it's it's sort of like a letter of intent for uh college recruits essentially yep, yep. Well, yeah so they and the the uh the, the people in Tennessee found out about it, and it was just a gigantic backlash to Shiano. uh people did not want him to be the coach there uh well supposedly uh, a a big part of it was. The, the notion that he uh, was connected to uh, the the Jerry Sandusky situation. He was an assistant under Paterno while Sandusky was there.
1: Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, so so like you know there were there were protests at Tennessee. Somebody spray painted a rock that said "Greg Schiano condone condone child rape" at at Penn State. And, that seems
2: pretty intense. Okay.
0: Yeah. So in, so in the face of, of, of this public ba- backlash at the University of Tennessee, they backed out of their their contract with Shiano, and now they have to find somebody else.
2: College so, football uh, is so crazy, man. The, just the people that follow college football in general, to me, are just absolutely insane. Go ahead. Continue. Sorry.
0: Yeah. Well, so he, here's a couple of things for me. Here's the, here's one thing that you need, need to know. There is there's no actual evidence that, that Greg Shiano – Greg shout, by the way, was uh, the, this last year he is uh, Urban Meyer's offensive coordinator at Ohio State. But anyway, yep. so it's, it's not like former
2: have
0: NFL a job. coach, yeah, former NFL coach, former Rutgers coach uh, did a good job there. But anyway, there's no there's no actual evidence that he uh, covered anything up at at Penn State. the 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 allegation comes from Mike McQuery, who claims. That uh, Mike McQueary, by the way, was an assistant coach at Penn State ten years after Shiano left. Okay. Yeah. So for they, for those of you
2: who don't remember the whole Sandusky thing, you can go Google it and read about it. But basically, McQueary is the guy that uh, has been accusing everyone in pretty much every situation.
0: Yeah, but which, which is fine. But the point is, is McQueary and Shiano don't actually know each other. But he claims that that he heard another coach, Tom Bradley say that Sciano knew, knew about things that were going on there. Okay? Bradley and Sciano have both denied this notion. It's just yep. it that that never happened. But the point is, is even even if even, even if you want to assume that McQuerrey's conversation with Bradley happened, you still have to then make another assumption that Bradley was telling the truth. It's still a hearsay conversation, regardless of, yep. of like how public. Hearsay is feel the word
2: it. that that's the exact word that popped into my head.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a third it's a third party conversation that still contains entirely no evidence. And yeah, maybe it's it's I, because the the crime of you know child is is so heinous that you wanted like uh, you know put a brush over anyone who's ever coached at that university. But to my mind, it it feels a bit unfair. And beyond beyond sure, that Ray, beyond that range, and- I I don't. I don't think the reason the Tennessee fans were mad, honestly, mostly has to do with the fact that uh, Shiano, you know quote condone child rape. I think that was that was what they were using because Tennessee fans did, didn't want an outsider coming into Tennessee and they didn't want Greg Shiano specifically who they don't think is a good coach I think it was yeah honestly, I mean I, it could
2: it could be, but and if, if that's if that's the thing that they're using, then that's ridiculous that I mean and regardless- so. The bottom line is these accusations are out there, right? People are aware of these accusations. Uh, parties that are involved have denied things that have happened, and the accuser it still says that it's true, right? Don't yeah. you think that the University of Tennessee, who, by the way, is not – not, they're not totally clean – Right, Bruce Pearl comes to mind if, if, for their basketball team. There are things that have happened at the University of Tennessee where they have been uh, disciplined by the NCAA. They know how things work. Don't you think they would have done their due diligence on Greg Sciano before they h- intended to hire him? So, To me, I, if they're backing out of this thing because of public backlash, that's more on them. They've got to know if, if any of that is true, or they have to have some sort of belief whether it's true or not before they actually go and say they're going to hire a guy. So, to me, Tennessee is the one that's the University of Tennessee is the one that's screwing this thing up. We've got 60 seconds, Calvin. Take it from here.
0: Yeah, Pey- Peyton Manning has a uh, a supposed uh, sexual in, in, encounter uh, incident in college at, at Tennessee. Do you think if if the Vols uh, announced they were hiring Peyton Manning as a head coach, uh, that people would be scraping no. the rocks right now? I, no, I, people would be so going I'm, crazy. No, they would be loving it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. I just I you know, not that I I mean I just it's hard to say that I feel bad for Greg Siano because you know, screw Greg Siano anyway, he seems like a trick. Uh, whatever, if they hire him or they don't hire him. <laughs> if you don't want him and you want to protest him, that's fine. But it just feels a little dirty to me to to it, it yep. seems like they were trying to manipulate the school by by like forcing this issue that like it's not like Ohio Ohio State people weren't protesting Shiano under the notion that like he condoned child rape. It just it turned into this thing that I think was motivated by football and then people they they tried to use politics successfully to get him out. And I don't
2: think that's fair. That's all. I'm with you on this one. I think you got a bad rap. I think you got a a lot of guys we talked about tonight. Got a bad rap. Fisdale, Shiano. That's about it. Uh, Not so much on Marcus Saul, Eli Manning. eh, eh, eh. Sometimes he gets Eh. a bad rap. I think anyway, um, I wish we had, gotten to some Lonzo Ball stuff. Maybe we can do that next week because, boy, oh, boy, I think you and I could probably shoot better in the NBA than this guy. No, that's not true, obviously. That's hyperbole. But still, we're not getting paid millions of dollars.
0: That's next week. I've got week. complicated. About Look, we're, we're, we, we can do Lonzo Ball and Marcus Martin next week because they're, they're, both, they're both shooting about the same percentage of the field right now.
1: So, uh,
2: Perfect. And one brings a lot more to the table than the other. And one is a rookie, uh, granted, anyway. <laughs> Thank you, not Calvin. For yeah, okay. All right, wait. we'll get to this next week. Guys. You can't yeah. even you can't even put Lonzo Ball anywhere near Marcus Smart on defensive ends. Don't even give me that. We're not going to go there. We'll talk about offense next week. All right.
0: Actually, oh. we will talk a little bit about defense, but not as, well, not, uh, not entirely about defense. But we'll talk a little
2: bit. Okay. We'll Fair enough. That's going to do it for us tonight here yeah. on Careless Whispers. On CLNS Media, thank you all for listening. Brian Lankford, Brian Ain't Lying on Twitter. Go check him out. He's a good follow. He called us tonight. You can call us next week. Have a good night, Calvin, buddy. I'll talk to you later.
1: Bye, Rick.